0: There are two readings today. The first is from Psalm 19 verses 1 through 4. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. second reading is from Genesis, chapter 9, verses 8 through 17. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, As for me, I am establishing my covenant with you and your descendants after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the domestic animals, and every animal of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of a flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the clouds and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy the earth. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is in the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is in the earth. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, send your spirit upon us that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. All right, imagine the scene. It's the early 80s. My mother is driving our 1978 two-toned Chevy Caprice Classic. Me in the back seat, realizing my legs are now long enough to reach the back of the driver's seat, start kicking said seat. Because I can. Legs are long enough. My mother says something like, Sandy, please stop kicking my seat. It distracts me while I'm driving. Little Sandy. Oh, sorry. 1 minute later because I can I start kicking the seat again Mother Remember I just asked you to stop kicking that seat little Sandy Oops sorry Now imagine the scene repeating a few times over and over again until my mother finally says If you're really sorry You'll stop doing it. I remember several moments like that throughout my childhood, saying a quick sorry for picking on my baby brother again, or for not listening, or for talking back. And I distinctly remember my mother's response. If you're really sorry, then don't do it again we are in week two of our lenten journey together a season of promise here a season of promise we're considering the promises that we make to god and that god makes to us promises and covenants that bind us together as a community of faith and establish how we live together with each other and with God. And today we consider the time that God said, I'm sorry, and I promise never to do that again. When we look at the story of Noah and the ark, we have the opportunity to sift through the ways that we've heard the story all our lives. And I would venture to guess that most of, it, most of us have heard the story all our lives. We were probably introduced to the story early when we were children. Noah's Ark is a classic story that we are often read, ready to share with children. And why not? There are engaging images. A giant boat, animals of every kind and color and shape, rain and water, and best of all, the rainbow. The story is told in religious books and secular books alike. And you can find play sets that have a boat and cute little animals and a sweet-looking Noah from play school and Fisher-Price and even Pottery Barn. About 20 years ago, when I was having my first baby, I decorated Jacob's nursery in all Noah's Ark stuff. Here's a little thing that was in his nursery. Look at baby Jacob. So cute. But look, I mean the frame, right? Noah's Ark. It looks so cute, so childlike. Many of the things that were in his nursery still hang out in my office today. But if we allow ourselves to put aside the nostalgia of the story and hear it with more mature ears, we hear the story of a ridiculous request from God to Noah to build this giant ark. We hear the ridicule of the people to Noah. It's a story of bullying and shame it's a story of the traumatic destruction of all creation and it's a story of god's regret I remember as a youngster hearing about certain characteristics of God. Maybe you've heard these as well, some, some, several of them, excuse me. One of those characteristics attributed to God was the idea that God is unchanging, that God is the same, you know, then, now, and forever, And that's a great idea and all, but when you look at the Old Testament, and especially the story of Noah's Ark, and read about some of the kinds of things that God does, God sounds like a real jerk. I mean, if God is supposed to be an all-loving Father, how do you reconcile that idea with the fact that then God turned around and killed a bunch of his children with the flood? And yet, while working on my master's degree, I encountered an approach to faith called process theology. It's the idea that God... God, in relationship with humanity, is changed by that relationship. And so is humanity, always working towards a whole, merciful, and life-giving relationship together. The idea that there is change, and actually that's what it's all about. Some of you may remember a story that I like to tell about my time in Cheyenne when I was a pastor there. I was very close to my colleagues in town. There are four United Methodist churches in Cheyenne. And we relied on each other to offer care and encouragement and accountability. We all knew that at any time we could call one of the other pastors up and say, hey, Right now, I need you to be my pastor, and the other would provide support. I was having a particularly hard time with a parishioner for a variety of reasons, and she was what I felt like a constant antagonist for me. Nothing I did was good for her. So I called up my Cheyenne colleague, Reverend Steve Earnshaw, and started pouring out my story and my frustration. And I will never forget Steve's response. Wow, Sandy, just think about all the opportunities you have to grow because of this relationship with her. Now my first reaction to him was, wow, Thanks a lot, Steve. Not what I was looking for. I wanted you to tell me that I was right, that I do no wrong. But over the years, I've considered what Steve said, and he would continue to say it to me for a variety of, of reasons. To think about the idea that when in relationship with others, we can change and grow, and often we do. Or at least we have the opportunity to. In that journey of my own soul, I had to realize that I was not perfect or blameless. And that there was a chance for me to recognize how I was interacting with this person and to consider how I really wanted to live and be. And it changed me. And this idea that in relationship with others we change and have the opportunity to grow is one that we have a good model for. In the story of Noah and the ark, God, in anger and frustration, decimates creation. Except for the very few on that ark. And then maybe after some divine reflection, totally regrets it. God goes to Noah. And I imagine these people that are left are shivering, shuddering in fear. And God says, oh, oh oops, sorry. I don't think I want to do that again. And instead of just offering regret, God chooses to make this promise. A promise to never do that again. And the reason that I had Bruce in our scripture reading earlier read all the way from verse 8 to 17, even though it repeats The refrain over and over again is to hear the repeated refrain over and over again from God. The promise that this is my sign, my covenant to you that I won't ever flood the earth again. This is my promise to you, Noah, and to all of creation. I'm not going to decimate the earth again. This is my promise to you and to all living flesh. I'm not gonna do that again I learned an interesting tidbit this week maybe it's something that you'd heard of but I had never read this before but when I was studying this scripture of Noah and the ark and the covenant that God offers I read that in the ancient Near East and Israel the rainbow was actually seen as a divine weapon. And lightning bolts were arrows of exacted judgment. So the rainbow was not a happy sign. It was a sign of war, a sign of judgment to come. So in this covenant, when God assigns the rainbow, As a symbol and a promise of love and care. This is a huge shift. Becoming a sign of peace from a sign of war. And mission accomplished because I don't know of anybody who doesn't love a good rainbow, right? It's just that that wasn't what it was in the ancient world. Now we often see it as a symbol of joy, a symbol of inclusion, a symbol of hope. But it sure didn't start out that way. But in God's covenant to Noah and to humanity and to all creation, God would never again flood and destroy the earth. And God takes something that was a symbol of death, And destruction and makes it something new. And God has riffed on that melody ever since, taking something dark and turning it into light, taking broken and turning it into whole, taking regret. An offering grace for a new day, transforming death into new life, and the promise to continue to offer a new day again and again and again. I pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.